produced by Podcast Architects. Hi, Shanna Borman here with Straight Talk and Honest Advice, my podcast about a person's journey through the decision to get a divorce, the divorce process, and then how they reacclimate to life after that divorce is finished. And today I'm here with my friend Jessica, who was kind enough to join me. Uh, We're being hosted by the Stella Hotel here in Bryan College Station, so thank you to them. But here, Jessica, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, Jessica, I know you've had a journey. And I wanted to kind of talk to you about what that journey looked like for you. Um, As I've talked to you about before, you know, I I want to share what my clients' journeys have been like and what were their struggles, what were the barriers, what were, you know, how did they make those decisions? So can you give um, maybe an overarching view to to our our listeners here? What was the... um, what was the biggest barrier you had to actually making the decision? And and as you made that decision, what struggles did you have? Um, So for me, I ended up just with life circumstances and situations. I got in a very, very low place to where I even attempted to end my life. Mm. And that actually started the journey of figuring out, okay, maybe this, maybe my marriage isn't as, roses as I thought it would be. Maybe there's the reality that I thought it was. Maybe that wasn't actual reality. So really you did not at the, so at the, I know you went through a really difficult time and, you know, to our, to our listeners, this is, we're going to be talking about some heavy stuff here. Jessica really had a terrible loss. You, you lost a child. Yes. Um, and I'm, you know, my, my deepest, deepest condolences to you for that. Uh, and that's where you ended up in that low place. But I think what I learned from you throughout representing you was that there were lots of things that, or lots of events that kind of put you in um, maybe a, a progression of a downward, uh, spiral. a downward spiral to where that was just really the, the, the last final, the final kick. Yeah. yeah. So can you tell the, our, our viewers how that, how that dynamic actually happened? So, um, I had been married for, at the time, 13 years, and um, moved around a lot, um, thought that marriage was going well. Um, We ended up losing our last son in 2019, and that was kind of the icing on the cake. Um, Struggled with postpartum depression, turned into severe depression, and was at the mental capacity of hey, I think my kids will be better off without me, getting to that place mental capacity-wise of you're just not in the right headspace. You're not in your own headspace. We've talked before about just losing yourself. Um, At that point, I was so far gone from the real me, I didn't even recognize the person in the mirror to be able to say, hey, my four kids that are here would be better off without me. That's just not the right that's not a healthy mental place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's not the Jessica that's you've been. The, the me, Jessica. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So can you can you share what were some of the things? Uh, well, let me back up a little bit. Yeah. Did you see that you weren't the Jessica that you had been before? Did you see that until so, the loss? Um, not until the loss. So why was that? 
How could that be? So um, after my fourth child, our, I it took a little bit for me to realize that I had postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And I brought that up to my ex at, or my husband at the time. And it's like, hey, this isn't right. I can't think of a single thing that brings me joy or happiness. Like, this is not me. Like, I could rattle off 20 things and nothing sounded like, oh, yeah, I want to go do that. I couldn't name a single thing. Mm -hmm. um, the whole idea of we only have, we're only responsible for our own reactions. So his response and reaction to me wasn't helpful. Um, so it started with me acknowledging postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. Then we got pregnant with number five, who was the one that we lost. Mm -hmm. And it just continued the downward spiral. And the only glimpse was, hey, there might be something going on because I can't find joy in anything. Mm -hmm. But that was really the only thing that I had seen was nothing sounds like fun. So were you just too close to it to see? I think so. What was it that helped you see that? Um, I had a very small group of friends. We were, we're not from Texas. Um, a couple ladies that when they would start to invite me to things or even trying to stay connected with friends out of state. And I would just find myself more and more reserved and more and more withdrawn. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this isn't how I used to be. Um, but I didn't know what to do to fix it. I would only see glimpses now and then and be like, huh, that's interesting. I don't want to go hang out with my friend who lives down the street from me. Um, I don't want to stay connected with my friend that I've stayed connected with for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was a slow, I would say a slow awakening process for me. Well, when, when you did ultimately awaken, what were the things that you relied on to help get you back to a place that you did feel like Jessica? Um, so for me, I, after my attempt, I knew I needed to go get major help. I'm like, okay, something's drastic has to change. Mm -hmm. So I found a inpatient health clinic in Florida, psychiatric clinic, mm -hmm. and we did major intensive therapy for six weeks. Um, and that was really what started the push to get me mentally in the right capacity. Mm -hmm. um, and then I came home to Texas and I knew that it was not safe for me to go back, even just physically safe to go back to the same home as my ex. Um, and so I was like, okay, I've got to get somewhat of a support system. So I found a reputable counselor that I was able to meet with consistently as part of the follow-up mm -hmm. care from that clinic as well. Mm -hmm. So how, how important did that, was that for you? That was vital. Mm -hmm. That was, I know I would not be in the same place today if I did not have right off the bat consistent counseling at home that I could go to on a consistent basis, probably for the first six months. Um, and I actually also hired a life coach for mm -hmm. that first six months too. And that, just kind of helped reset my my brain status to be like, hey, this is the path that the right path to go to happiness and mm -hmm. to finding the old Jessica again. Did that help you focus on the future? Or what was it that that life coach or that counselor did particularly that helped you kind of get over the hump? So I can clearly remember the point where I lost hope in my marriage ever being able to get restored. Mm -hmm. But then I can also remember, oh, there's hope again. Mm. So the life coach and the counselor were able to help be like, no, there is hope. 
Wow. And there can be hope. Wow. So when, when was the decision made for you to file for divorce? Where did your divorce decision fall in that kind of, in that you know, timeline? timeline? So after the attempt and after the um, treatment, um, I was still on the fence line of, oh, maybe I can just try whatever I can try to save my marriage. Um, I went to a friend's house and brought my ex and the friend's were in a very similar situation to us. They had lost a child. Mm. Their, that wife had attempted. The husband had found her. Very similar life circumstances. And they, the husband and wife, were weeping in front of me. And they're like, we are so sorry that we let you down. We didn't realize the extent that you were hurt, the extent that you needed help. We are so sorry we didn't help you. Mm -hmm. um, to the tune, when I looked at my ex, his response was, well, you guys may have failed Jessica, but I never have. And that for me was my, that's the, the line in the sand. Okay, there's no coming back from this. Uh -huh. If you can say that you have no regrets in how you treated me, this marriage can't last. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So that was my writing on the wall. Wow. Was that after you came back from your... your uh -huh. Yeah, that was probably maybe six weeks if that mm -hmm. had you already hired a lawyer by that point no I had I think I had a conversation with you mm -hmm. but I was still on the fence about actually is that right or not yeah what what was the barrier for you I mean why did you believe that you would want to reconcile your marriage um is it kind of shared adversity or is it something other than so, that so I grew up in a Christian home, and so I definitely had the mentality of, hey, Christians don't get divorced. God hates divorce. Um, this is the whole idea of, like, the goody-two-shoes wife in a sense of if you follow these things, your marriage is going to be great. Mm -hmm. So I was still kind of stuck in that mental f phase of, hey, if I get divorced, then then what's going to happen? Is God going to hate me? Is mm -hmm. um, just, I guess, fear. Mm -hmm. Fear. Yeah. fear of God hating you. Did you have fear that you would have um, like peers judge you? Um, yes. So ironically, after the, um, after the time in Florida, I came back and the small community that I was part of completely turned their back on me and rejected me at that point. So by the time it came time for the divorce decision, mm. I'm like, well, I've already lost what community what local community I had. Right. Um, so that wasn't so much a factor for me other than in the back of your mind, you always think, okay, I'm going to going on 13 years of marriage. You know, what's, how am I going to come across as being a divorced mom of four kids? Mm -hmm. Or I think too, you know, I've, I have, I'm 13 years in, am I willing to give that up? Yeah. Right. Um, or am I willing to walk away from that? Do, do, don't I, Oh, it, oh, that relationship, more effort. Yes. Right. Do you think there's anything that could have been done to save it? No. No. Did that other help you make... not start it? Other than not start it. <laughs> but then you wouldn't have your first. But then I wouldn't have my kids. Yeah, so. then you wouldn't have your kids. Yeah. What, um, was your husband willing to engage in therapy or counseling <laughs> with you at all? Um, we even tried therapy a couple of times. Oh. Uh, well, I was at the clinic um, my therapist tried wholeheartedly <laughs> to mm -hmm. get him to engage in therapy. 
And we even tried, um, we were gifted a, I want to say week-long intensive through Focus on the Family. They have a marriage intensive. And I, I still think it's great information. They have great resources. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not going to work if you only have one committed spouse. That's right. Only one person can't fix it. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, you know, one person, or, or strike that, one aspect of a divorce is family. You have four kids. Yes. Um, what concerns did you have in contemplating a divorce about dealing with the kids? And then what concerns did you have, I guess, about um, dealing with your spouse? Yeah. Right. What? Tell me about that. So with the kids, I kind of have two groups of kids, two sets of kids, as I call it. Um, I have the littles who are um, both younger than six, and then I have two teenagers. And even in the separation time, my youngers had the hardest time they were starting to get. I remember just being at my wit's end, my youngest boy, he would literally go on tantrums for five or six hours. The whole idea of, well, what do I do now? I took him to a play therapist and he started stripping and ran around the place naked. <laughs> and I'm like, for like hours. And I'm like, and this is why we're here. We're going to be here and, for a while. Yeah. And, and, so, and this is what we need you for. <laughs> and this is what we need you for. I'm out of ideas. And that was just doing the separation. And so going, do I suck it up and go back? But I knew that that wasn't an option either. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then you have the whole aspect of the teens going, okay, you know, just the age that they are and the whole idea of, you were a family, now you're, that's no longer going to be a united family. Um, but in the long run, it wasn't an option to be an unhealthy family. It's much better to have one healthy family than a smaller family that may not have both partners. Well, yeah, and you're still a family, and right? still a family. You and your four yeah. kids are still a family, whether there's a dad a in dad the home or not. Or not. He, yeah. They still have a dad. Right. Um you know, and that, that brings me to this book that you, that you shared with me, actually, yes. you told me about this book. It's called The Life-Saving Divorce. Yes. And, um, this is by, uh, Gretchen Bakersville. Gretchen Baskerville. Baskerville. Um, you know, I've, I had not heard of this divorce, but it's, t- it talks about hope for people leaving destructive relationships. Yes. What comfort did you find through that book? For me, um, it was, even as the title life-saving, it gave me hope in that coming from the background that I came from going, okay, it helped change my mindset. The whole idea, she even goes into, no, God doesn't hate divorce. God hates why people get divorced and hates the emotional, mental, physical abuse that goes on. Mm-hmm. But he wants you to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so she she does a great job explaining um, just the stereotypes and speaking truth into it. Right. Speaking truth to what's best for you is God doesn't want anything other than what's best for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, God wants what's best for all of us and what's and us health, health, right? Yeah. Emotionally healthy relationships is what God wants. Yeah. Right. Um, what, you know, knowing this book now, yeah. Uh, what advice would you today, Jessica, today give to Jessica, you know, 10 years ago? Um, I would say trust your gut, that your gut is actually right and listen to it. I think so many times, especially in the midst of just day to day in the 13, 15 years of marriage, you can get so stuck in, well, I'm just going to do this and forget listening to your gut. 
eventually your body's going to react. You're going to start to find yourself in a place where you don't recognize yourself. Mm -hmm. You're so, so right, I think, about that. And I think there are physical manifestations of not trusting your gut, and there are the emotional manifestations of not trusting your gut. But why do we do that, right? Why do we get stuck in this you know, doing the same thing day after day after day without ever contemplating and stepping back. You know, I think that's part of our, the world's difficulty nowadays. Yeah. There's no time for self-contemplation. Yeah. When was there time for you to self-contemplate? There wasn't with, because I had the sets of kids, it was one kid after another. And it was so wrapped up in motherhood and I dearly love my kids, but so wrapped up in motherhood and life and wife and all those responsibilities I never hit the pause button. Mm -hmm. Were you ever able, you know, they say in the, on, I've used this example before, you know, on, on, on planes, they, the flight attendants will say, you know, you put on your mask before you put on somebody else's in case of a loss of cabin pressure. We never do that. Yeah. Did yeah. you ever put on your own mask until it came to the point where you had to put on that mask? That was exactly what I was going to say. The only time that I finally put it on myself was when I was at the clinic. Mm -hmm. So, so in such a bad place that it was the only alternative. It was the only option. Mm -hmm. And so now here, life-saving divorce, literally. Literally. For me, literally, yeah. When, um, what co-parenting struggles have you in, have you um, experienced, if any? Um, I consider my divorce a high-conflict divorce. Um, and that's funny because I really don't. I mean. <laughs> well, high-conflict, yeah. high, high co-parent, high-conflict co-parenting. Yes. I would yeah. say. Uh -huh. Um. I think just the the idea of not being able to really, I try my hardest to look out for the best interest of my kids uh -huh. um, and knowing that the ex most of the time is just going to be looking out for himself. Mm -hmm. um, so there's definitely times where, multiple times where we clash, we don't, we don't communicate unless absolutely necessary. Um, lots of learning to set boundaries and stay within those boundaries and boundaries is so important yes which I didn't have for a very long time mm -hmm. do you find that you and he um having set these boundaries that he respects them that you and he have the ability to both set boundaries with one another um it's a work in progress mm -hmm. leaning towards no more no than yes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as that relationship evolves do you do you foresee it getting better I hope so, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, what things were you looking for when you were hiring a, a divorce lawyer? You know, I'm a divorce lawyer, I mean, obviously. Um, but I, I wonder what it is that makes people make the decision for who they hire, not just making the decision about filing, right? Yeah. But what are the, what are the things that um, are considerations? So for me, um, I had had a very close friend of mine go through a divorce maybe less than 12 months before I did. And she had hired somebody from your firm mm. off of a recommendation of one of her friends. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, well, let me ask my friend who she used. Mm -hmm. um, so personal referrals and personal experiences is huge. Um, and the more I've gotten to know you and spend time with you and things, for me, the the knowledge of the law that you bring is huge, um, especially with my education level and things. Like, mm. I appreciate that your skill level of your knowledge of the law and how 
it works in specific details of my cases. Right. The nuance. Yeah. Yeah. You have some, you had some weird situations here recently. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And in that vein, you know, it's, it's more than just knowing the law. It's knowing when to apply it, when not, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. When to withhold and when to be like, nope, this is the avenue we're taking now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and working with the team. So, you know, in, in my law firm, there, we have multiple members of that team. Yes. How have you navigated that path? Or what, what would you say to people whose lawyers uh, or who, whose lawyers use a team approach? Um, I think it's better because I think you get better service that way in the sense of, you have more people fighting for you. Uh, even looking and seeing how many, when I get like a group email, I see all the people <laughs> who are also on that email going, okay, I have this many people fighting for me. This many people have my back. That's a cool perception. I like that. I like, I love that actually. I love that. Whereas I'm, I'm just trying to make sure everybody knows about what happens in a case so that somebody can respond if I'm in trial. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, um, you know, you mentioned before your faith, you were, you believed at one point that, you know, God hates divorce and that, how does your spirituality, um, affect you now in terms of those things? You, you mentioned this book kind of setting you on a, on a straighter path. How do you look at that now? So it took a while again to like open my eyes. I think part of my situation, I think that there was definite spiritual abuse, um, which I know is kind of a newer thing. Um, I didn't even know about it until, along the journey, I got introduced to that concept. Mm -hmm. Um, And she even talks about it in her book. And I was like, oh, I think that I experienced this. So for me, spiritually, it's been a journey as well going, okay, it's not that I, um, I had to just kind of fine tune, I had to shave off the bad stuff. And I had to shave off the stuff that really wasn't truth and fill it with truth and solid, um, solid information and get me thinking in the right direction, even spiritually. I think that's interesting that you had to shave off part of it. You didn't completely say, you know, I'm going to reject the entirety of it, that you still had enough, I guess, or, you you know, your, your core was still spiritually invested. Yeah. But you had the discernment to see what maybe was false and what was not. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Was that, that's through the book? Uh, part of that is the book. Um, and then I listened to a couple of videos. Um, Patrick Doyle is another guy who does a lot of stuff on spirit, mainly helping women through spiritual divorce, oh, wow. spiritual abuse oh. and their divorce process. So in the spiritual abuse specifics? Specifics, yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. He did. Someone shared with me when I was at the clinic because I started, he has like, like 35 videos, courses or something. And I went through all of that while I was um, over there as well. And that was such a helpful, just eye-opening experience for me because I didn't realize that I had been spiritually abused, basically. And then once you see it, it's so, it becomes so obvious, Yes, right? And once it's like, why didn't I see that before? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. During the process that you were, that we went through, through your, um, through your divorce, were you able to see a future? Were you able to see what you wanted that future to be? Not in the beginning, Mm -hmm. Um, especially not knowing in my situation in the beginning, not knowing even down to geographic location going, okay, what am I, the whole idea of like, what am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? Um, Where can I move? Where can I not move? Um, But it's been now that I'm have made the move with my kids and stuff. I absolutely love 
where we are living. Um, I see such a brighter future for the kids and for me than I ever did before. I love that. Than you ever did before. Yes. Did you see the future you have now when you were married? I mean, could you foresee the happiness you're having now when you were together? No. Even my youngest girl and I, we both, I didn't realize I loved the beach until all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, So I take her to the beach every chance we get. And just the joy that you get to see in your kids through the journey. And you find joy in yourself Mm -hmm. in the midst of it. I never would have foreseen that. You become a better mom. Mm-hmm. Not just a better, you know, better person, better mom. Yeah. Right. Um, were you ever worried about the example you were setting for your kids? Like, you know, what should a wife accept from a spouse? What should a, you know, husband do as a spouse? Were you ever worried about that example? I think prior to making the decision to file for divorce, that was definitely a big thing in my mind going, I want to be able, when my kids are of the right age, to be able to stand before them and say, I tried everything to make this marriage work. Mm -hmm. Whether I share all the details with them or not, um, that waits to be seen. But at least to be able within myself to say, yes, I tried everything to make this work, but I'm much happier and better off out of the situation, out of the marriage. Well, would you ever want any of your four kids to be in a marriage like you were in? Absolutely not. There's no way I would have... There's that was a big decision. Also, part of the factor of deciding to divorce to show my kids don't keep staying in the situation that's not healthy. Take the plunge, no matter how hard it is. My motto for this year is I can do hard things. I love it's that. worth the worth the plunge. I love that. I can do hard things. Yes, I love that. We will accept nothing less than anything, than everything. That's exactly right. We will accept nothing less than everything we deserve. So Jessica, thank you so much for coming today. I've really enjoyed visiting with you. And I just, I just love the transformation that's happened with you. You are a remarkable woman. Thank you so so much. We love you. So thanks so much to you, our viewers, for coming in and visiting with us today. That's all we have. Straight talk and honest advice. We'll see you next time. Produced by Podcast Architects.